0: to humans leading humans towards a future of work that works for people. It's a smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. My guest this week is most definitely an imaginal leader. Leanne Lynch is Director of Technology and Cyber Defense at Heathrow. Now, I met Leanne a couple of months ago, um, and her story, her way of talking, her openness really resonated with me. So we've kept in touch, and every conversation we've had has inspired me so much. So of course I had to invite her onto the show so that her stories could inspire you as much as they've inspired me. Just imagine what it must have been like to be a leader in aviation during this mad, mad times. I hadn't really until I met Leanne, but you're about to find out what is it about her that made the CEO of Heathrow, when the shit hit the fan and COVID exploded, when she'd only been there for nine months and had never worked in aviation before, to put her in charge of all four technology teams. And uh, now you know why I'm dedicating time to make this podcast by now, I'm sure. It's for all of you who work inside organizations or who work with people and are struggling to get the best from them. You probably know by now that I've condensed 20 years of experience and learning and pain and excitement and science into one simple framework to help leaders get the best from their people. I call it the CREATE framework. C stands for collaboration and communication and consistency and courage. R stands for reward and respect and recognition. I'm not gonna go through it all now, but you can see the whole framework at catskeely.com. Anyway, I've sent the CREATE framework to Leanne and asked her to tell three stories of what makes her a special leader. Before I introduce you to Leanne, I really wanna say a massive, massive thank you to all of you who have sent me feedback and suggestions for what you'd like to see more of and how I can improve the show. Andrew, the feedback you sent me was extraordinary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your feedback is really important to me. It energizes me. It makes me want to keep on making the show. So please do head over to catskeely.com, sign up to the Human's Leading Human's newsletter and connect on our social channels, do all of that stuff. But enough of that. It's time for you to meet Leanne Lynch. So, dear listeners, a few months ago during this crazy years of Zoom, a wonderful woman called Liz Williams, who has pulled together this organization called Future.Now, which is looking at digital skills, pulled together a really one of the nicest events that I've been on over this entire lockdown, in truth, looking at behavior and culture and all of the things that have to underpin digital transformation. Anyway, One of the women on this particular event is called Leanne Lynch. And I was really struck by the whole way that you spoke, and that's why I've invited you. So in time-honored ritual, could you tell the listeners a little bit about what you've done, not who you are? Because who you are is this amazing woman who's courageous and has somehow made it as a woman to the top in technology, which impresses me beyond belief. So tell us a little bit about what you've done. Oh, thank you, Katz. And it was great
1: meeting you at that event and really being inspired by the way that you've brought Create to life and being able to articulate human leadership. So I think my journey today, well, i have actually I'm not a technologist at heart. I did my education in history and my master's in medieval studies, which does throw quite a few people because they're like, and and how did you get here? But I think some of the things that really inspired me when I did history and why I loved it, it's all about people. It's about why do people make changes? What really drives people to change? And IT and technology, when it's a success, is always because people have taken hold of it and gone, oh, I can make this work, whether it's improving my home life, my work life. But that's when you really say yeah, take life. And, uh, and I think that's always excited me. And all the roles I've done today have always been with that bringing the change and, and really seeing how it can transform things. After I did my history degrees, I started working in IT, where I was in customer care and billing, and then I started to train on the systems and, and teach other people how to do it. And then it just progressed from then. I then went and worked as a business analyst, where I worked with organisations to understand what is it they were currently doing, what their challenges were, and worked with them to really see, well, what tools were right? How could the tool help improve things? And then beyond that, the thing that I always have loved is... Yes, everyone goes, yes, yes, that's what I need. I need one of those and you deliver it. And then people go, oh, now what? And so it wasn't just about making the tool right for the day that you've landed it, but was then staying on that journey. So it became sustainable and people didn't reject it because they weren't quite sure how it was relevant to them. So I've done that. I've worked through telecoms. I've worked in internet. So I worked for AOL for a while, which was brilliant. I remember creating screen Grabs for the first M-Commerce poly kit for AOL. And this is going back before smartphones, so it was very cutting edge. And then I've worked in manufacturing and CPG, and now I work in aviation. And I'd say that the common thread throughout all is really trying to work out how to transform, not just with the tools, but how people work and helping people understand how it can add value. Certainly the last year has tested even my transformation skills <laughs> and my ability to change. So Yeah,
0: it's been a good one. Yeah, all of the things you said. And it's so interesting for me. These moments for me are just so interesting to hear people's stories and to find out where people started. Because I think there always is an assumption. If you're this, then that must be what you've done all your life. Well, not really, no. Because actually, leaders are people who can lead in any situation, whether you be in marketing or business or tech, which is where you are now. Anyway, enough of that. What's your story number one? So my story number one goes back to when
1: um, I think it was really when I learned if you want to lead people, you have to get a balance between how much you like, lead them by the hand and how much you provide an environment for them to swell and grow and blossom. I was recently into a new role and was joined in my team by a lady, an amazing lady called Marina who joined my team and had joined after quite a low performance review, not fully understanding why it was. And we were asked to take a look and work together to see how would we improve and, and take that forward? What were the right next steps in this organisation? And for me personally, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, what a responsibility. I've got to fix this. I've got to fix whatever it is that, that's going on. I have to fix it. I let it build up to that point of overwhelming, and then. I took a deep breath and actually I thought, well, let's talk to Marina and find out about her. So I'm sitting down with her and listening to what she had done, what her strengths were, where she was really passionate. And I genuinely couldn't understand or tally that to the performance review that she had got. And it could be a, an array of things, but I do think the situation you are in and the environment you are in is really key to making sure that you're successful, yeah? where you can shine your strengths. So as I spoke to her and I got to understand where her strengths were and what she was looking to do, we took a look at the challenges we had within the next year in terms of the deliverables and the things we needed to get done. And we looked for things that would really bring to life those strengths. So one of them is this amazing ability to network. Yeah, When understanding who are the right people you need to bring on the journey, and Marina could turn that around in like hours. And then bringing a framework of organization to something that meant it was repeatable, which is really key when it comes to sustaining it. If you land anything or change anything that is too complicated for anyone to work out and carry on with, it's never gonna be a success. So we really focused on that and kept in constant contact Throughout it, you know, I learned loads from her I mean you know, her ability to work out who to talk to and go straight to them is something that I'm not necessarily really strong at. sometimes I wait too long to be invited into the room whereas she would just be knocking on the door, so I really learned from her as well, and so we had an amazing year it was probably you know overall, and at the end of the year um from that, uh, you know, rocky performance review to the top performance review, we could reward somebody. It could have gone very differently had I not stepped back a bit. If I had suddenly not felt being so overwhelmed by that sense of responsibility, I had to micromanage everything to fix it. And it was hard. It, it's not easy to, to step back because you ultimately you take ownership of it. But you can only provide someone the ability to grow. And then they have to you know, step on that journey, otherwise they're not growing. So yeah, so that's probably my first, you know, when I look back and think about how I started to rethink where you know, comfort might take me down a micromanagement or control it all route, and actually stepping back is far more beneficial, not just for them, but for me, because you just all grow when, when you're on that sort of
0: journey. And that takes courage.: Yes, <laughs> courage. It does because, you know, we've been programmed to think that leaders are a particular kind of creature. They're command and control, you know, and we've built organisms whereby people like your dear friend, what was her name? Marina. Marina, you know, she's a change agent. She's the kind of person that doesn't necessarily fit particularly well into a a corporate culture. But those people, if you get it right and you empower them, And you allow them to be the best they can be. They are the most important people inside the corporation. And yet usually they get pushed out by the corporate antibodies because they're different and people don't know how to take them. So that resonates with me on so many levels and makes me think about so many different situations I've been in over the years. Story number two. So story number two is just going forward a few more
1: years where I was taking over a new department. It was really strange. So it was one that I'd gone for and it was all just being finalised and it hadn't been formally announced. And I was sat at my desk and someone, a gentleman called Andrew came tapped me on the shoulder and said, um, I hear you're going to take over the department. You're going to be in charge. And I said, well, it's not formal. And he went, mm-hmm. could you come with me? The team and I would like to tell you what we need from you. I mean, I was really taken aback going, oh, Okay. I mean, I felt very included because they wanted me over there and I went and met this team and they were amazing. I mean, loads of organizations talk about being agile organizations, constantly changing and challenging, you know, rolling out test products in really short and fast and if it doesn't work moving on. But actually doing that is really hard. Having that DevOps that continual change grow takes a mindset that is just phenomenal and one that I will constantly aspire to to truly understand so I went and I met them and I was brought up to speed I had to do a lot of reading I said look I understand the principles but you guys actually live this on day to day and I need to learn what it is you do how I don't get in the way of it And then what you actually need from me. And they knew that. So they knew that if I came in and tried to apply a command and control type leadership, and there's nothing wrong with command and control in the right environment, but if I tried to take control of it to bring myself up to speed, I would break this wonderful thing they had. So they knew it. And so they got in front of me and they did bring me up. (laughs) I would say that some of my biggest leadership learnings was just by almost making sure I was doing right by them. So as I took over the department, we really decided we had lots of new capabilities. We were rolling out time and time again. And then we had one capability that we wanted to roll out to a wider organisation that had not lived in this, you know, rolling out of a trial, or if it doesn't work, either bin it or change it quickly. And we're much more used to the sort of, I need this product, here's everything I'm going to need for the next five years, go away and build it. So we probably, looking back, maybe should have spent a bit more time bringing everyone up to speed with what it actually means if you want to go into that route of of testing and trialling and moving fast. But we didn't. So we went in. We built something within eight weeks. The business didn't quite understand that what we built wasn't going to look perfect. It was going to be what was needed right for when we went live. Um, They were still building out the business model that went alongside it. And it just got very heated in terms of the market that we're going to go live with it, felt that we'd let them completely down. We were getting frustrated because we were like, look, it's not going to look perfect. It's just going to be what you need from day one. Learn and let's move on. And then the trust wasn't there. And that's nothing for any individual in the room all wanted to do the right thing. So my lead at the time was an amazing lady called Dimple. And again, I have a wall wall. And I call it the de Wall of phrases and terms that that Dimple comes up with to succinctly put why things are successful challenges. And, uh, And she still posts, thank goodness. So I still learn from her. But she was in charge of this area and had complete autonomy to make it work and was going out to the end markets. And I could sense the tension in terms of how far this could explode in terms of you know the the consequences and and people being pulled out so I stepped in not to remove any autonomy on the product from her but literally to support the conversation because at the end of the day I fully trust and would always trust individuals who are SMEs to know what they're doing if they're given the right framework and the right conversations they will 99% of the time nail it When it doesn't go right, often it could be the conversation's not right, the frame knot's not right. So I never wanted to remove the autonomy, but I just needed to make sure that everyone understood that it was my accountability, that it was me in the room to have the hard conversations if it went that way. But again, a real balancing act, not to take over, not to undermine her skill and the fact that she was the expert, but provide that. Yeah, but I'm it's my bum on the seat, it's my name on the door. So I'm the one that ultimately is accountable for it and kind of getting that balance
0: right. My God, I tell you, you know, my first company, it was always that that thing of going, something goes wrong and it feels really uncomfortable and somebody's going to be pissed off somewhere. But I'd always end up saying in the meetings, at the end of the day, it's my fault. Yeah. I hired you and therefore the buck stops with me and somebody would always go well no it was my fault it doesn't matter whose fault it is the point I'm making is we are all learning together so I absolutely love what you just said and I think the temptation is it's very courageous I think because when things start going wrong and you've got somebody breathing down your neck the temptation is to go oh yeah they should never have done that as opposed to what you did which is I'm going to sit by your side I've got your back yeah, I do remember that we did
1: have that conversation. And also I always remember that there's always exceptions, but nobody does something wrong or makes a mistake on purpose. Even as when it's horrible and you think, right, that's it, it's my P45 in the post. I mean, most times it's something that is not in someone's intention was to do it wrong. But and that certainly wasn't the case here. But just when you were saying about you know people getting worried about it being a fault or mistakes were made, that's just how we learn.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I I, this is one of the kind of my strap lines, I repeat various things, but like the only failure is failure to learn from mistakes. If you can't create an environment where people can go, I'm really getting hammered here and I'm not sure that I've done something wrong, or maybe I did. You know, you need to make sure that people feel safe enough to step forward and say, yeah, okay, I could have done it better. And the next time we do it, we'll do it better. And I think what, the opposite side of that is the opposite of create leadership is, yeah, you should never have done that. I haven't got your back. Just get on with it. And therefore you lose all your trust. They get unproductive. I <laughs> you know, I love your story. OK, so story number three, please, Leanne.
1: Well, this one's more recent and probably the biggest change I have gone through in leadership and everything. And I'm sure I'm not alone. So this story actually comes at the beginning of the pandemic where I took on the role that I am now in. So when I joined Heathrow, I'd only been in for nine months. I came in very specifically to set up digital services and then COVID hit. And as an industry aviation could see what was coming sooner than some other industries. And so the organization made the decision to reorganize and downsize to face the next 18 months. So to where we are about now. And as a result of that, I went from working in a department with a CIO and four other directors to just me. When I say just me, it was then I was in charge of the whole department. And yeah, even now, when I try and articulate that first week, you know, I remember getting called in going, we'd like you to take this on. You need to reorganize and resize the department to reflect how much investment and how much we're going to be able to grow in the next 18 months. And I'd only been there nine months. So I didn't come from aviation. I didn't have the depth of the industry. Two or three individuals I knew really well, but most I knew of by reputation. And so I had to appoint a new leadership team and an operating model. And I had weeks. So I got told this. And then on the Monday morning, we all went into lockdown. Oh my my (laughs) gosh. I'm sat in my room and I'm going, oh my gosh. On the one hand, you're right. Treat it like a, a puzzle. We've got this. Look at the organisational chart. How can you make it work where you're driving efficiency and getting the most efficient way of working? And I've also got to change the size of the organisation. And it wasn't something that was just hitting our work. It was at home. Like You had no escape from it. So I sat there and I immediately thought, well, I I need to be transparent. And again, I've had some amazing leaders and I do think a lot of what's really positive about my leadership style is because I've had leaders that's helped me blossomed in this way. But sometimes you find that the transparency isn't always there. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain messages that need to be landed at certain times. Yeah, you just don't share everything. But when you are facing that, when I was in that situation, I had to get to a point as quick as possible to share my ideas and my thinking with who potentially might be my new team. And the peers that had just moved into new roles who were really generous with their time. And I had to get trust in my new leadership team that we were on the right path. So I shared. I said and I shared and I got approval from all the HR because we were still in reorganisation nobody's roles were secure I was like right this is my thinking what won't work what will work you have been in this organisation for 10 years plus am I insane and literally we had to go that transparent there was no room for well do you know what I'm thinking You know, I don't know if you've been in those leadership meetings well I want you to achieve this and you're like yeah all right you've just given me a north star any framework no I had no room to test or I really had to be transparent so I opened up we put into place the new leadership team we got the new operating model and I had to do a reorganization at the same time and I had to I halved my team and it was oh my goodness brutal on one day I had 24 one-to-one calls I couldn't do it in a room and yes I had a video on but you can't
0: you've, you've got to own it
1: yeah you've got to look those people in the eye and go I'm sorry and oh
0: oh no I can't imagine
1: so we got through that and it was you know and they were so brilliant everyone understood and this was the one thing I was really clear Nothing I was doing, and it was me doing, and I was doing onto them, no matter how much I included people, no matter how transparent I was, it was my accountability, my responsibility. So I brought them on the journey and I made it clear to them at every step of the way that what was happening was not because we had an issue. We didn't have a burning platform before. The leadership team that I belonged to had done some amazing things, and it's because they had done these amazing things. 18 months later, we're still going because if they hadn't made some of the changes and decisions they'd made when all of this had happened, well, we could have been in an absolute nightmare in terms of it. But we were able to go to remote working overnight. We had some of the best platforms that that there are out there from a technology point of view to build on. And we were already looking at how do we liven up our operating model? So that was really key in that whole transformation, in that conversation that I I had with all the individuals within that first round of org change, was was genuinely, this is not because we were broken. This is a a circumstance. So we then launched the new operating model. We had a big meeting, again, Teams. Oh my gosh, I have lived on Teams for 15 months. I've spent the last 15 months inviting what feels like the whole organization into my home on a regular basis. While I'm on teams, one of the things that was really key, once my leadership team was in place, as we were working through the you know, the reorganisation, as we were working through the operating model, we had daily calls, half an hour, every day. Every day we got on a call, is everyone okay? My leadership team are phenomenal. The minute they knew that, that they took ownership of having the chats within their own team rather than me having to do the whole organisation. But every day we all checked, Are you okay having this talk? This is not a sign of not being a leader if you really can't have that one-to-one call because you have real personal connections. So we really worked closely on that. There was no measuring people's capabilities through that time. So we had regular chats. And then we got to the point that we launched our operating model and we were able to show how it just evolved from what we were doing before to reflect where it was. And it was during that call that I then realised I am now asking a department of 64 people to trust me. And they, you know, nine months, they kind of seen me. I turned up at certain meetings they'd seen some of the progress, but they had really didn't know me and we weren't going to catch up in a coffee room chat. So I worked with my PA, uh, Suzanne, and uh, I scheduled a 30 minute chat with every single member of my organization. And before the chat went out, I made it really clear, this is a just the a getting to know you, for you to ask me questions, I am not here to, you know, mark your homework, find it is literally so that I had the opportunity to say, or tell me a bit about you, what do you love, and I found out some amazing things, I've got people who were, you know, experts of flying drones in, in my organisations, I've got people who have lived all over the world, that beginning of that journey was really about taking ownership of the fact that I was doing this change, really being transparent and working quickly to earn their trust because I had to earn their trust. We no longer meet half an hour every day. In fact, I think we, you know, once we were all comfortable, we had an open on. Do we need this? No, not really. They still meet on a regular basis, and I was saying to you earlier, I'm allowed to drop in on a Friday. <laughs> to their to their chats yeah and then we meet as a as a big leadership team across two few departments on our wednesday afternoon yes we still had amazing deliveries we took something like 30% out of our total cost base we delivered a digital academy and you, you mentioned earlier in the chat about summit and that is you know we built on this amazing digital workplace this rollout of power apps which is a tool from microsoft that means you can build your own application you know, to take away some of the manual, just really inform your job. And Samit had originally been a security guard, had been offered Power Apps, came up with this amazing language translation application to help him in his job when dealing with passengers. And then he just blossomed from there. He then created a community. He's won all industry awards. And now he's in my team. Uh, <laughs> and continuing to build and grow on that. Yeah
0: are well, yeah, sorry, I completely oh, just, yeah. Just fantastic story. And, and I think what really, as you were talking about the fact that you were taking on an entirely new situation in probably one of the most stressful times that anyone has had to work, and you were having to tell people, and you did that in the right way, face to face, and you clearly cared, that I'm in awe. And, you know, and so many leaders would say, I don't have time for this. We're under pressure. We need to get this done. Therefore, why on earth would I waste 30 minutes for each human being in my team? What you did was common sense, but rare. And I can't even tell you how in awe I am of you well, and your style of leadership over that time. And how much I thank you for being so authentic and honest and talking about the real people side behind how it feels to be a senior leader, especially at this time. There's something about the way that women lead, which is not always, and I'm making a big stereotype, but it is based upon a feeling of, I care. I want to do the right thing. And it's something that I'm hearing a lot. Anyway, anyway, so the last thing that we need to do, Leanne, um, is to figure out what... Are we going to call your episode of Humans Leading Humans? Oh, my
1: gosh. You know, on your create thing, I think transparency, trust are two things that are, are essential. Um, but accountability is a big one because I think you always, if you are going to take a leadership role, whatever that leadership role is, you own it and you have to take accountability for it even when it is more than just a deadline, when it is about people and you are owning a story that's going to impact a person's life. And I think you know, this last year has really brought home what does accountability mean when you are a leader? And it's not just about getting the projects in on time or keeping within budget. It is about making your people blossom, giving them a safe environment. And then as a team, you
0: will ex- exceed and excel. Oh my God. Leanne, is that okay? Can we call it An amazing, amazing (laughs) session. I can't thank you enough. Leanne, honestly, I can't thank you enough for your authenticity and your openness, your humanity. It's so easy to bitch about leaders at organizations, to see the bad in everything and keep criticizing. But the flip side of that is that taking responsibility is freaking hard. Being a leader is hard. It takes real courage to retain humanity when the chips are down and when the pressure is on, it's even harder. Leaders are human too, guys. I love, love doing these interviews. I'm learning so much. It doesn't matter whether you're a CMO or a CGO or a CHRO or a CTO. Your only job is to empower people, to give them a platform to rise from, to make them feel safe, to care. Ah. I hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. You have been listening to humans, leading humans towards a future of work that works for people. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Marketing Society. If you are a senior leader and you need the know-how and the networks to succeed, and you're not already a member, get over to their website and become part of that tribe. The notes are below, I would 100% recommend it. A massive, massive thanks to the fantastic Superterranea for the magical sting of stings. Go to wearebeep.com to find out more about the CREATE framework and how we support companies by unlocking the problem solving potential of humans. If you love this podcast, pass it on to your friends and your colleagues, subscribe. Thank you, thank you for joining us. The links are in the notes. Be inspired. Be imaginal. Be more human. And I'll see you next week.